Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Welcome to the Waterman Files. You are not alone. You are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. We are in this together. Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming to you from deep inside the castle. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be. I'm glad you're here. Today is June, what, the 21st. Ooh, wow, that's an important day on somebody's calendar, I'm sure. And uh, what might that be for? Probably some kind of occultic activity, you know. But anyway, welcome to the Waterman Files, and this is our first hour. Today we'll be talking a lot about predictions, lots in the news, things to keep uh, get caught up on from all the happenings going on in our corrupt government. And it is how many days, folks, into our co- uh, occupation of this uh, nation uh, living behind enemy lines in the uh, United States? 165 I don't know, something like that. I, I've lost count. Till I get July 1st here, I will not have my calendar pages to tell me. <laughs> well, welcome to the Water and Files. By the way, uh, this year, 2016, there have been 2,254,055 people visit the Waterman Files. And... Uh, what happened when it got to this volume before Google hacked it in half and uh, kept them from getting to the website? So we've reached a plateau again that's growing rapidly, and I'm expecting them to do something. So you never know what they're going to do. In the meantime, we're going to be talking about, uh, gosh, um, things not all things WebBot, but all things related to, you know, things that have been in the WebBot. But before we do, I want to talk to you as far as uh, being a practitioner 
And of course, uh, I know what it's like, folks, to be in the hands of non-alternative doctors because I've been in—I was in the hands of them all morning long. <laughs> I primarily like to go to these folks to help them help me figure out what I've got going. And so, guess what? I think they're just about as stumped as I have become. I've been trying to guide them. I feel like I have a nursing student, uh, although I have a nurse practitioner working on these mysteries that I've given them. Uh, she's really uh, I've become quite fond of her. She's, she's smart. She's intelligent. She does the right stuff. She does what I would do, maybe because I ask her to. <laughs> and uh, the main thing is, is that uh, we've got some things in the works so we can find out just exactly what all this mysterious stuff is. Folks, I'm anticipating some bizarre answers. And if we do have them, I'm sure I will not be the only one. So we'll know. In the meantime, I want you to know <laughs> that, you know, we have all, been kind of wary, right, of GM foods or genetically modified foods that Monsanto puts out. But did you know that they are doing something that you didn't know about? With the need of having to use glyphosate on their crops, their GM crops, the what we didn't know until recently is that the glyphosate isn't actually you know, it can't penetrate into the leaves of the crops or leaves <laughs> of the weeds and the crops, I guess I should say. And why do they? Why do we say and crops? Because they have genetically modified the crops to not die from this glyphosate, which is supposed to be a weed killer. So they can't get it past the leaves. So they've done something that you and I didn't know about to get these at these two go into the leaf, and so they've added adjuvants. Just like they do to the vaccine, they've added some stuff to help aid in leaf penetration. And guess what? It's causing cancer. We already had trouble with glyphosate doing genetically modifying, well, modifying our ability to react to the glycose. It has nothing to do with the glyphosate, okay, Uh, being something to do with sugar, okay? Don't connect the two. But they are connected in that the glyphosate causes you and I, if you get a hold of some genetically modified food, to gain weight because it messes with our genetic ability to handle and recognize how to deal with sugars, okay? But that's not the problem I'm talking about. It has to do with Monsanto. It has to do with glyphosate because in the spray the glyphosate that's added to the fields, they have added an adjuvant, and they are nanoparticles. These are specifically designed carbon nanotubes. They call them CNTs. Well, everybody has these abbreviations. And that helps them, it helps the glyphosate penetrate the leaves, allowing it to be carried clear to the root system for more efficient absorption. Do you know what's going to happen? What that means is it goes into the plant. And guess who's eating that plant? Not only are we having the genetic 
manipulation of our body causing us sickness, illness, gait, weight gain. We have now got these, quote, CNTs, these carbon nanotubes causing cancer in people. When are we going to get rid of Monsanto totally? Well, I tell you what. Oh, we're feeding the world. We do not feed the world with corn from Iowa, Nebraska, and all that. No, we don't. Because that corn's used for, guess what? Corn syrup. So that's how they get sweeteners, is through this genetically modified corn syrup that they put in Pepsi and the Coke. And oh, by the way, talking about Pepsi and Coke. The big guns are out, folks, but the pep, you know, on the, on our, uh, we're going to talk about the big guns being out of the markets, but we're talking about the big guns being out of, gosh, they're moving out of, guess what? Putting in s- some artificial sweeteners that they've had in there forever. You know the artificial sweeteners that I'm talking about, right? You know about those, don't you? Yes, you do. Aspartame was put in our in our pop. Well, what's aspartame all about? Well, Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, all these things. Even when you get gum today, it doesn't really have sugar in it. It has aspartame. You know what that does? You know what aspartame does to you? It is a neurotoxin. It creates memory loss, inhibits the ability to think, and adds to the effect of, guess what, Alzheimer's. Yes. But aspartame is now moving toward extinction. How did we ever get, how did this aspartame ever get into the market knowing that it's a chemical poison, of course masquerading as an additive sweetener, but it violates Title 18 of the domestic genocide law. Did you know that? But they let it in anyway. Coke and Pepsi never saw that they didn't know they were, you know. In other words, these were the two main, you know, soft drink companies, right? But there were protests about adding it in the first place. Lots of lobbying for NutraSweet. But guess if, I tell you what, all you have to do is type in aspartame or NutraSweet and then type in Rumsfeld. Yes, good old Donald Rumsfeld was connected. He was very, very involved into the introduction of aspartame into the markets of the United States, knowing that it couldn't and shouldn't have ever, ever passed FDA approval because it caused cancer and other neurotoxic problems, and it violated the law because of it. But they, well, they're, you know, Cheney, Rumsfeld, what can I say? They did it anyway. And so now what's going on? Well, since uh, since 2005, Americans have, uh, consumption of diet soda has dropped 27%. By by the way, that's a loss of, of 834 million, not bottles, not, you know, six-packs, 834 million cases are now not being bought 
of this stupid artificial additive to the drinks. It's staggering how much they've lost. See, it represented 94% of all carbonated drinks since 2010. So the last six years, and then all of a sudden, nearly 30%, it's moving into 30%, by the way. Uh, they're anticipating that it's, you know, it's dropping so rapidly that some companies have, like Pepsi-Cola, has announced it was cutting aspartame from Diet Pepsi, but not because of health concerns, but because of customer demand. Yeah, customer demand for obeying the law. Diet Cola drinkers in the U.S. Uh, told them they wanted aspartame-free Diet Pepsi and were, and of course, uh, the, the senior vice president of Pepsi says, hey, we're delivering. We recognize the consumer demand is evolving, and we're confident cola lovers will enjoy our new crisp, light taste of this new product that we put out. Uh, just, hey, Pepsi, just go to the sugar cane fields and get some non-GMO sugar cane grown and add it to your drinks. And don't do what Coke did and say, we're changing our formula and we're going to have the new Coke. And so they put out this really bad tasting thing called new Coke, knowing that this was going to not be very well received. You know this. You know the story. And so they didn't, nobody liked it. And so they knew it was going to be gone. Or they knew that it was going to be rejected by the public. Because they had plans to put you back in, into not the original Coke, but Coke Classic. They called it Coke Classic, trying to convince you that you have now been brought back to the old Coke formula. It wasn't the case. They wanted you to the Coke Classic formula, which was different, and they know it didn't taste as good. So if they went from their old Classic formula, the old Coke formula, I mean, to the, the new one called Coke Classic, that everybody quit drinking because it didn't taste as good, and it was bad for you. And so they said, hey, let's make one that tastes even worse so that we can act like we're responding to them, and then it'll move them back, and they won't know what the real Coke that we used to have tastes like because they had such bad-tasting new Coke. So they just tried to move people, and they just manipulated the whole thing. Now, remember this, folks. Coca-Cola is totally dependent on Coke, the, the drink. Of course, yes, it had Coke in it many years ago, but, you know, the, the cocaine in it, but it doesn't now. But that, that, that's all they do is Coca-Cola. And, of course, you do know they are very deeply entrenched with the intelligence agencies of the United States. Pepsi is not put all of its eggs in one basket like Coca-Cola. And so it has other means of making money. Pepsi doesn't have to depend on changing its production line and investments in there as much as Coca-Cola does. We need to get rid of these kind of monsters, these kind of liars. They really don't care whether or not you're getting healthy drinks. And 
so they don't tell you, even like, you know, one-a-day vitamin, remember one-a-day, multiple vitamins, that thing would never get dissolved in your gut, and it'd come out the other end still intact. But they didn't want to tell you you weren't getting your vitamins, so they've made some new ones. Uh, it's, you know, uh, the, um, uh, uh, the, the same company, okay, still puts out that multiple vitamin that, that won't, you know, dissolve. But now they have one for women. Now they have one for men. But guess what? It's not that little tiny hard tab, uh, tablet, that real slick finish that won't dissolve. It's a whole other form. And you've got to ask the question, why did they change forms? Because the first one didn't work. That's why. It was a piece of crud. It was bad. Didn't work for anybody. It was a waste of time. But anyway, uh, what's going on is the public has said, we've had it with your crap. Uh, many years ago, I had uh, there was uh, research that was sent out to us doctors where pilots were losing their ability to remember. I've told you this before, uh, you know, where their instruments were on the airplane when they were going through flight checks. Well, pilots have to stay in, within a certain weight range, and so they drink diet drinks and diet drinks started grounding pilots because they couldn't pass well they couldn't remember where the landing gear were and stuff like that so they got grounded and they finally figured out that it was aspartame and diet drinks and as soon as the pilots quit drinking it their memories came back but we've been doing this to our kids, <laughs> to the public. Oh, here, have a diet drink. You're overweight. Now we're just going to get rid of your brain. <laughs> so we've got to stop. You know, at least there are some kind of drinks out there that are attempting to say, here, get some ginseng, you know. But you have to be very careful and uh, see what you're getting. All right. One of the things that we're going to move on with today is the fact that we have all kinds of economic news. Moving forward with what was supposed to be going on this summer was two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back as far as the price of silver, gold, and Bitcoin. Two steps up, a little bit of a drop. Two steps up higher, a little bit of a drop. So that's what we're seeing you're seeing stuff up and down, but it's not dropping. You know, it's not going down, down, down. It's staying. It's trying to push through. The market demand is trying to push up. The controllers are trying to push it down because the nemesis, the, 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 hey, gold and silver is like a virus to the banking system. Why is this fight of the EU and going and leaving the European Union so vicious because it has to do with a central bank called the European Bank, the ECB, which is trying to control things. It's trying to control all of Europe. They thought they could do it because they couldn't get Europe to be all one like the United States, and they wanted to control the, the banking and, of course, then the policies and all the politicians like they do in America. But they're going to back out of it. Now that they've murdered the guy trying to push forward the exit from the euro, it's going to probably happen. 
And so because of that and all the big guns that we were talking about earlier, like Soros and even Rothschild are warning that the Britons, that Britain is probably going to vote and leave. Good. It's about time. And then when they do that, they can also, next step, vote to get out of the central bank there of London and the city of London. And then we need to get rid of the Federal Reserve. But there is a lot of complications to all this because you and I are going to end up having to pay the bill. You know, when these people, uh, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff today, so I won't get ahead of myself, all right? And I am going to be talking to you about the new money. I'm going to be talking to you about how they're going to put out two kinds of money. And so today is very important because we are going to be talking not about the web bot, but one of our listeners has given me uh, access to some information. I'm going to be taking some of that information, like I had read over the weekend, this info, and I researched how it's going to impact us. And I thought I was reading another web bot report or uh, asymmetric linguistic trend analysis, and I just about fell over. Everything is lining up, folks, for some economic upheaval. You know, just go talk to Obama. He'll tell you everything's fine. You know, that's, of course, coming from the president that told you, you can keep your insurance. And you can keep your doctor. (laughs) And you don't have to switch if you don't want to. But we listen to him. Right. Right. The people have had it, I think. And so we're really headed into a revolution. That's why they're after the guns, big time. And the revolution's going to be bloody. But before we start going into some of this information, which is extraordinarily important, you know that the Bilderbergs, of course, have met. And you've already probably read what was in the agenda. Basically three things, four things. Four things. Stop Trump. Boost Hillary. Try to keep the Brits from exiting the European Union, called Brexit. And boost immigration. They want to flood the EU with more refugees and migration war. We're going to talk about migration wars. Which must, they say, continue. But there's going to be, folks, populist revolts against it. It's already happening all across Europe. It's going to happen here in America because, and it's going to be even worse here uh, as far as our resolve to respond because as they try to shove those illegals into causing this, you know, our country to be destabled, uh, there are people in this country that have guns. There aren't people in Europe that have guns. So what are they going to go do? Uh, Well, they're going to not have one. Even the law enforcement over there pointing, get back, pointing, get back. And what do they have on their shoulder? A baton. They have nothing else. (laughs) So anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about how this is all being planned. And these guys went into this meeting in order to, you know, figure out how do we keep this under control? What is it? that's so important to them. They want to keep under control. They want to keep under 
everything under control because they do not want to lose their money cow. They don't want to lose the goose that's laying the golden egg that makes them powerful and wealthy because these guys that meet aren't any different than you and me, and some of them have less IQ than I do, less IQ than you do, many of them. They're just corrupt. They've decided to be something that many of our ground crew people would never do. Many, most, if not all. And that's to steal from the people. So they have to keep the status quo. The status quo, folks, is not status this and that and this. It's the bank. Keep the bank in place. Keep the bank in place. Keep the banks in control. Give them power so we can get our little graph get our money, and keep them in place because we'll go broke. I don't give a damn if any of them go broke. We're going to talk about that. They want the TPP. They want the TTIP and the globalist change, uh, trade schemes that they've got, you know, and that they were in secret meetings about. They want not more bailouts now. They want bail-ins. You know what a bail-in is? It's the opposite of what happened. So now they're not just going to print money to give to themselves that makes you and I sign on the dotted line for the debt that would come from it. They want to take your retirement. Where does all this money go? It goes into their private wealth pockets. So... When China comes knocking on the door, the banks are going to go, we don't have anything. And what the American people should do is this. Oh, yes, you do have something, Mr. Banker. You have about 10 chalets of 5,000 square foot homes all across the country. You have a million acre farm in Paraguay. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to give you their wealth. We're going to put these, we need to put these bankers into skid row, and the wealth that they have is what we take to pay off the debt to people like China that they sold us off to because they took that wealth, got that wealth illegally. It's ill-gotten gain. It was corruption that made that money. And we need to not say, no, you're not getting it from us. Don't come in here getting our cornfields. You're going to go get the banker's assets. Because if you come after us, we'll kill you. That's what we're going to do. So they better get, it, they better get their crap straight. Because that's what's going to happen. Let's start by uh, playing some. I've got three things to play tonight. Let's start with this one. Hang on just a second. Here we go. Everything about your way of life could be about to change dramatically. How you store your money, where you plan to retire, the way you protect your family and home. All of these things, we believe, are under threat. We don't make this prediction lightly. We're simply following our research to its logical conclusion. We did the same when we anticipated the global credit crisis, the property slide, and the collapse of the banks. In fact, in the 12 years we've been publishing Money Week magazine, this is the most serious warning we've ever made. As you'll see in this short film, 
we have uncovered an unsolvable problem at the heart of our financial system. We believe the outcome of this problem is inevitable, and the recession, joblessness, and instability you see right now is only the first stage of it. Many people think the slump we're in now is as bad as it will get, but the truth is, it's only the start. In fact, you'll certainly see the consequences of this deep-rooted problem unfold across the cities, towns, and villages of Britain. No one will escape the fallout. In all recorded history, no country has ever recovered from the financial position we find ourselves in today. No government has ever been able to reverse this trend. No emergency action has ever come close to a solution. This inescapable problem has only ever had one outcome, financial collapse. You can challenge every single one of our facts in this film, and we're confident you'll find that we're right about each allegation we make. Then, you can decide for yourself. Will you act now and take this chance to protect yourself and your family from the catastrophe that's brewing in our financial system? We hope so, because if we're right, you'll need to act very quickly. In fact, the downward slide has already begun. It has. It has already begun. It really has. Let's talk about central banks. Central banks have been an, an, an anathema. They have been a poison to civilizations for, for a long time. We went over what we should be doing, and that's like not charging interest and so forth from our banking industry because they were not supposed to be. But let's just talk about central banks. We've been, we're the reserve currency of the world. And there have been, of course, other nations that have had their currency be the reserve currency of trade, which means what is used to uh, enhance trade. Whoever controls the reserve currency actually is the most powerful financial entity on the planet. From 1450 to 1530, and for 80 years, Portugal was the reserve currency of the world. From 1530, for 100, another 110 years, till 1640, Spain was the reserve currency of the world. Now, these were a, this was at a time, folks, when too, uh, people were passing around gold and silver as coins. From 1640 to 1720, for 80 years, it was the Netherlands. From 1720 to 1815, it was France. That was 95 years. The one was four was 80. Spain was 110 years. Britain, 1815 to 1926, and about 110 years. They were the reserve currency. And 19... 26, by the time it became the reserve currency, we already had the Fed in for about a little, it took a little over 10 years for, well, we had to go through World War II, one for it to be put in and, uh, you know, Bretton Woods and all that, uh, to become the world reserve currency. So 1926 to 2016, guess what? For 500 years. In Western civilization, 
The reserve currency has never made it past 110 years. Never. You know why? Because they're always corrupt. Everything is fine, remember? The president said everything's fine. Just remember, it's the same idiot that told us we could keep our doctors, we could keep our insurance, and of course we could choose. We're going to play something else here, and then we're going to get into some more of this information, and I'm going to make that document of information available to you, but um, it is incredible, isn't it, where we're at? It's unbelievable. Currency remains in use much longer than a single lifetime. In recorded history since the first century Roman currency, it and every currency to follow has gone the way of the dinosaur. Traditionally, only one currency at a time is prominent in global trade as a standard medium of exchange. Spain, the Netherlands, France, Britain, and the United States have all had the dominant currency at different times in the last 500 years. If you believe the U.S. dollar will be an exception to the fact that all past currencies have failed, time will most likely prove you wrong, and it will cost you dearly. The U.S. dollar rose significantly in global reserve status after World War I, and it was later made official near the end of World War II. This was when the Bretton Woods Agreement, out of all the world's currencies, made the dollar king. At this time, international dollar reserves were convertible to gold at a stable rate of $35 per ounce. This changed in 1971, when the U.S. under President Nixon announced a temporary pause to gold convertibility, though this did not turn out to be temporary at all. The U.S. dollar from then on was a fiat currency. This means the world's medium of exchange ever since has had no intrinsic value. It was not a representation of any commodity, and new units were created at the discretion of the American government. Such a system alone would likely lead to lower United States economic strength, which is why Nixon convinced Saudi Arabia and later OPEC, the oil-producing nations, to only sell oil for dollars. This created a much different world currency paradigm that would be known as the petrodollar. An increasing supply of dollars needed to be created to fund America's ongoing wars and social programs. Without a global demand for these dollars, without the petrodollar, Americans would have seen high inflation in their economy. Now, 43 years later, headlines everywhere are proclaiming that the dollar as a world reserve currency is likely nearing its end. Japanese yen, the Swiss franc, and even Chinese yuan have been increasing as a percent of foreign reserves held in banks. The king dollar is shrinking as a percentage of the world's currency supply. U.S. dollars in 1952 made up 90% of the money on the globe. Now, they only make up 15%. In 2008, during the economic crisis, the president of France, Nicolas Sarkozy, said we must rethink the financial system from scratch. In 2009, the governor of the People's Bank of China, their central bank, argued that a gradual move away from the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency would prevent economic disorders like the 2008 crisis. He also recommended a global currency, following the same argument as John Maynard Keynes that there's an inherent dilemma when using a national currency as a world currency because of the conflict between balancing foreign and domestic needs. Brazil, 
Russia, India, and China are frequently coming out with new agreements for direct trade in their own national currencies. Together with South Africa, they form what's known as the BRICS nations. The BRICS are severing financial ties with the old superpowers of the world and creating their own institutions to replace those of the West. By having the world reserve currency, the U.S. is allowed to print money to service its debts. Shockingly, there's twice as much debt in the world as there is money. If the dollar loses its reserve currency status, the U.S. will have to pay its debt with real value instead of just increasing its money supply. It could not sell bonds to foreign countries as it does now at such low rates of return. Interest rates could easily rise high enough that the U.S. government would have to spend half of its income just to pay for the interest on previous borrowing. This is why the Fed will say and do anything to keep interest rates low. Many large countries have been making major moves in the last five years to stop transacting in U.S. dollars. In July of this year, at the 6th Annual BRIC Summit, the five nations signed an agreement to create the New Development Bank, a bank to rival the International Monetary Fund, or IMF for short, that was created 68 years ago at the Bretton Woods Conference of 1944 where the dollar began its reign as the world's reserve currency. Both the IMF and World Bank are based in Washington, D.C. BRICS nations comprise 40% of the world's population and more than 25% of the world's GDP. Their new development bank will be headquartered in Shanghai, China. This bank will be given a $100 billion reserve currency pool to counter the influence of Western-based lending institutions and the dollar. The president of Brazil literally said the fund is a safety net to prevent volatility faced by various economies when the United States exits its expansionary monetary policy. Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, stated the international monetary system depends a lot on the financial policy of the U.S. authorities. The BRICS countries want to change this. The largest BRICS country by far is China, whose gross domestic product will officially overtake the U.S. in two to seven years. Goldman Sachs' chief economist in 2009 predicted the BRIC nation's economies could overtake the top seven Western powers by 2027. Yet another nail in the coffin to the dollar is the unforeseen disadvantage of the U.S. shale oil boom. With the U.S. importing less oil, oil-producing countries will have less need to hold U.S. dollars. U.S. net oil imports from OPEC countries has declined 50% since 2008, from 6,000 barrels per day to only 3,000 in May 2014. Estimates now calculate that Saudi Arabia exports more oil to China than it does to the United States. Furthermore, Russia and China have a new deal to sell energy in their local currencies instead of the dollar. Iran sells oil directly to China in Chinese yuan. Iran has also traded its oil for gold to neighboring countries to bypass U.S. and United Nations sanctions. Within the last year, China had overtaken the U.S. in net oil imports. China's third and fourth largest sources of oil, Russia and Iran, are both bypassing the dollar. Finally, a partnership between China and Saudi Arabia has created a giant oil refinery off the Red Sea that's expected to be online this year. King Dollar is truly dying. In addition to this, less U.S. oil imports means less dollars going abroad. 
which means more dollars are coming back inside the United States. This will inevitably cause additional inflation that's been overdue, as America's money supply has more than doubled in the last 10 years. Estimates put more than half of all U.S. dollars as being held abroad. It will be devastating to the value and stability of U.S. currency and domestic economy when these dollars return. The reality is the U.S. will surely lose its reserve currency status, and it will likely be after a major reset of the global monetary system. So we're going to see this happen, and it's probably already started. In fact, I'm going to be talking to you about what they're doing behind the scenes that nobody knows about. And we're talking reality here, folks. We're not talking uh, the baloney that you read at Nasera and that there's a secret thing and there's all this money that's floating around that's going to pay off all this debt. It doesn't exist. Uh, uh, folks, I've been in those meetings. I've literally, I have been in those meetings about those plans, and they don't exist. I don't mean that I've sat around, talked with guys that have gotten on the Internet that write stuff up and have little meetings about what they've read on the Internet. No. I've been in Houston. I was invited to be part of a security team at one point by a guy that was running security at a banker meeting. And I said, hey, they wouldn't mind, they wouldn't mind if I came in. He says, well, you're not part of the meeting. I said, well, your security let me in. Well, when I came in and sat down, they about fell over because they didn't have a clue who I was. What were they doing? They were talking about what they planned to do to set up another banking system, another one, another corrupt one with fiat money. Why do we constantly see time after time after time after time the collapse of monetary systems? Because they're always fiat. That's why. That's exactly why. And until we quit doing that, it will always occur. See, the sun set on the British Empire because the Rothschild banking system made sure it happened. And the banking system collapsed the wealth of the Great Britain. And it went down. The banking systems that are taking over here, uh, took over here, are going to collapse this nation. How do they do this? Well, they make a bunch of lies up and tell you how good it's going to be. And then, guess what? The Federal Reserve, by the way, does not just print money and keep it inside the U.S. Because, see, folks, they make money by loaning out this stupid paper and getting real stuff back. And what I mean by that is a house, a car, so to speak, property, cattle on a thousand hills. That's real stuff. That's real wealth. And they do it by just printing up stuff for free without having anybody oversee the audit. And they can do it to any country in the world. And they love to see this money go outside of their country because that way they can make more interest off of that. And when that money comes back, what does it do? Well, yeah, it causes you and I to have prices go up, but the bankers don't care. Because they make sure they make enough money 
to take care of the inflation that you and I are going to have. Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they know. They know, folks, they aren't stupid. Don't be in that position of saying that these bankers are so stupid that they do that all they're doing is trying to make their money system last. Folks, they know that kind of money system doesn't last. And so what they do is manipulate for the next phase. They went from Portugal to Spain to the Netherlands to France to Britain to the U.S., and now they're going to try and make it China. China's not cooperating. Maybe it's because they were dealing or used to be dealing with Europeans. And now we have a whole different culture, a whole different one they're not aware about, aware of. But it's been an attack upon the entire world this whole time. Let me put it this way. The people that run the banks are foreigners. And they will attack America for what the banks owe them. Okay, let's put it this way. Who holds the most debt? American debt. China. That's a foreigner. Will they attack uh, America, they will if they can get away with it. Why would they do that? Because they got holded. They got they got caught holding the hot potato, which was crappy money. Now they're not going to attack the banks because they don't see the banks as having anything except more paper, right? But what the foreigner like China does not realize is that's wrong. The banks have more than fiat money. The foreigner, like China, that holds debt is not going to recognize there's anything that they can get from the bankers. Why? Because they see it as an institution. And what does that institution hold? Just more paper. And so what will they say? Well, we want to come at we don't they don't want more paper. They want to feed their people. So what are the banks, what are they going to do? They turn to the country that it's supposed to be representing. In other words, the Federal Reserve note represents the United States. So they go to the United States and they say, by the way, we're holding all this debt and your people guaranteed it. And so we want their cornfields, their cows, their jobs, their factories, their you know, land, and they will get it. But they got that because it was illegally gotten. But I've got a message for you, China. What you need to do is go after the banker's wealth. The Rothschilds have a castle. I mean a castle. They don't have a mansion. They have a damn castle. It's like Vanderbilt had 20,000-plus acres and that huge, almost European castle, it's a, it's a mansion. That's worth quite a bit. What China needs to do is to go after the bankers. I don't give a damn if they become paupers and that they have to finally go pick grapes to feed themselves. Every damn banker that got bonuses is exactly the ones that need to have everything stripped from them because it's ill-gotten gain. That's where America's wealth went. 
sitting down somewhere in the farms of some other foreign country with millions of acres all over the world. Bankers have stuff, assets. Because I'm going to guarantee you something, China. If you come to this country and you think you're going to take something, oh, yeah, you think you're going to come in, you're going to sit down at a table, you're going to sign contract with some corporate farm, maybe some farmer or some government official to take some land, we're going to come kill you if you do if you do that. If you think that you can come in here and occupy our country, by God, the people have guns, and you won't get shit off that property. It's back to your people. You won't get a ear of corn. You won't get squat because we'll make sure you don't ever get it. So you go get it from the people that cause all this trouble. Now, why am I so upset? Because these reports that I'm reading are telling us this horrible, horrible story. Let me tell you, uh, you know, we were talking about those things, four things that the uh, Bilderbergs were talking about. But I put up something over the weekend that you can go take a look at, and it's about... It's about a book that was published by Kelly Greenhill, and there's a summary of it that I put up. It's 44 pages on the Waterman Files. You can go read it. It's called The Weapons of Mass Migration. The Weapons of Mass Migration. What's that mean? It means this, and I'm reading right from the paper's title, Forced Displacement as an Instrument of Coercion. We need to change these words. Forced removal instead of displacement as an instrument not of coercion, but as an instrument of war. And here, let me read a few things right out of the document. Coercion is generally understood to refer to the practice of inducing or preventing changes in a political behavior through the use of threats, intimidation, or other some other types of pressure like I'll kill you, okay? Most commonly military force is what it says. Non-military methods of applying coercive pressure and the use of my is the use of migration and refugee crises as an instrument of per, of persuasion. Conventional wisdom is going to tell us this is very rare. Traditional thinking will also tell us that it very rarely succeeds. However, this document, this paper, this book, and this is a summary of it, says this. It's used more frequently than you think, and it's more than 50% effective. It is more than 50% effective in accomplishing its goals, and it has been used like gobs of times. I can't even begin to tell you how many, but lots and lots of times to accomplish its goal. Who is it that uses these? The Soros. Who's Soros? He's a big shot, he thinks. He just has stolen a lot of money, and everybody worships him and says, oh, he knows what he's doing. No, he's a criminal. And he's a Jew, and he has stolen it with his buddies that helped him from the Federal Reserve, and he pays tithes to all those boys to make sure that nations continue to bow before the golden goose, the, the goose that lays the golden egg called the banking systems. 
And then, they, of course, they give him a little bit of money. But he's got to tithe it. He's got to use it to send migration, uh, millions of people migrating. That's what he's got to do. Okay? It's a Jewish plot that has started the migration process. If you go to the Waterman Files, you will see there's a rabbi that says, Muslim migration's good. It's great. Then why isn't Israel taking any of the Muslims in? (laughs) Because we have a bunch of wusses out there that don't know that they're breaking the law. Oh, well, they just got 110 rockets hurled over at them to kill them. Jeez. So let's go into this report. This report that has been given is very interesting. It's a man that's in the financial sector. He writes a kind of an advisory report every month. And um, it's pretty lengthy, and it has several topics. And we're going to go through several several of these topics because we've got to kind of compare it to what we've been told uh, is on the um, schedule like we've already been talking about from the WebBot report and from what you see in the news. And, you know, we've got to be careful about what news we watch. You know, uh, when the militias were, you know, pretty hot and heavy, uh, there were other, you know, counterintelligence operations trying to smear them. After that, there was people talking about, you know, oh, well, the, you know, there's going to be something called the Amero made. The Amero is going to replace the dollar. And there was this fellow by the name of Turner that kept holding this coin up, saying the Amerigo is going to do this. And everybody jumped on saying, here's a new, here's, I said, no, it's not. Why did I know that? Well, because I knew who Turner was. He was an informant. We all knew who he was. He was in, we, I knew he was an informant for years. And what was he doing? Well, by the way, he's gone to prison. He's been in prison. And uh, for being a criminal, not because he's a patriot, but for being a criminal. When he got out of prison, he continues to do lying, cheating, and stealing, and trying to tell other people, you know, stuff that, well, I guess gets him paid by the payrolls that paid him before he went to prison, which was the federal government's counterintelligence agencies. And so now he's responsible for Superstation 95, which isn't a radio station at all, but has all this worthless, absolute worthless information up that people waste their time on. They waste their time with that guy. They waste their time with Superstation. They waste their time with... uh, uh, the Nasera crowd and Ben Fulford, and it's all of all of them are absolutely worthless, and you are worth more. Folks, your time is worth more than that. Your time is worth more than that. I know that it can be addictive. I know that you can kind of see some truth in it, but they're not telling you the truth. It's something you would like to believe is true, but it isn't the truth. Are there problems? There are real problems. You don't have to go to people making up stuff to get real problem. There are real issues out there that we can talk about without having to go to Superstation 95, which is actually a counterintelligence group. So let's get away from those, and let's quit wasting our time passing all that information around. 
because it isn't helping anybody. It really is not helping a soul. Nasera does not exist. It's just been made up for years and years. I quit even following it, I don't know, more than a decade ago. It was started in the trailer by a lady, a real frustrated lady that didn't have anything to do, and so she started making up stuff, <laughs> putting it on the Internet. It's it's crazy. What we've got, what we've got coming is real. The dollar is in trouble. What we have to remember, folks, is that we like it or not, the U.S. dollar, the world sees it as the United States' money, not the, a private entity called the Federal Reserve. And the answer to any politician that's worth his weight in gold, and maybe oh, maybe Trump is worth his weight in gold, huh? is that they could just start by the snap of a finger a treasury department that actually puts together a non-private fiat system. The, the privacy part is one of the worst parts of the Federal Reserve. It needs to be part of our government's function, not some private entity. And their excuse is, well, you don't want to politicize it because politics would blah, blah, blah. Look, if we can't trust our politicians with money, then we can't trust them with our policies. We can't trust them with our laws. We can't trust them with our lives and our futures. Then we need to fire them, hang them, or put them in jail. A huge number of such official cost structures. Oh, let's back down. There is so much going to go happening. There is so much going to be happening in the near future with this, with our monetary system that it's kind of like, where do you start, right? Where do we even begin to talk about it? So I'm just going to, we're going to dive in here. And we're going to be talking about several topics and just remember that we're talking about the economy, which has a lot of, of important topics. One, for example, is jobs. Let's just take a look at some of the things that are actually happening out there uh, in, in his report. He's talking about the trucking giant. Have you ever heard of Freightliner? They make these big, huge semi-trucks -truck, uh, uh, that uh, haul trailers for shipping stuff. Uh, well, they're going to be doing some job cutting. They're going to be laying off some people. But you know why? Because there's nothing being sold. <laughs> Remember, we were talking about in the web bot. Now, we're going to go from topic to topic. This is all about economics. You Remember, we were talking about in there that the shopping malls were going to become uh, squatter headquarters for people that are homeless. It says here in this report, dying shopping malls have multi-billions in debt coming due, folks, in the U.S. economy as it deteriorates. And there's about $47.5 billion in loans backed by retail properties, and they're supposed to mature in payment over the next 18 months from now. That's over the next year. And guess what? 
there's probably not going to be a payment coming from them. It's just not going to be able to be done. Let's go to Brazil. Brazil is in deep doo-doo. Because why? Well, the Western banking cabal, it says, took it over. And it's collapsing. Why? Because when a bank goes in, it's like that book by the economic hitman saying, we're going to go in and we're going to give them loans they can't afford. We can't even afford loans in America, folks, especially because we shouldn't ever, ever pay interest on them. Money should be a vehicle for exchange, not the object of investment itself. See, China's got it right. They don't want to be known as wealthy because they have a lot of Federal Reserve notes. They want to be known because they have cattle on a thousand hills wealth. So in the meantime, because the downturn in the economy is happening, the Saudis, by the way, let's talk about who the top economies of the world are before we go any further. The top economies of the world. Now, I'm going to just tell you who they are. I don't have a list I'm going by. Number one is America. Number two is China. Do you know who number three is? It's Japan. What happened to Japan? Woo, there's been some rumors that maybe that little Fukushima event wasn't so natural after all. And it has devastated their economy. Who's number four? Germany. Who's having all the immigration problems? Hmm, well, they're one of them. One of the big ones. Who's the fifth one? Great Britain. Who's after Great Britain? France. So we have all these countries. Now, I haven't even talked about Russia yet, have I? But did you know who one of the biggest buyers in defense products or war-making materials like the industrial military complex sells stuff, you know, like jets, tanks, bombers, uh, you know, all that stuff? Guess who buys them? The third, the nation that buys the third most is the Saudi Arabia. And guess what? Saudi Arabia is not paying their contractors now. Oops. Why? Because they're not cash. They don't have the cash anymore they used to have. Now, the man that's doing this, I'm going to be giving you this letter, but the man knows some people, and he has clients. So I'm going to read a little portion about the Saudis in here. It says that this information that I'm going to read to you or kind of abbreviate for you is coming from a client that's in Germany. And it says he was talking, that this client in Germany was talking to his boss in Germany about the outlook economically of their business unit because they do a lot of work in in, uh, Saudi Arabia. And they do heavy electrical equipment. And they do it for the Saudi Electricity Company. That's the SEC abbreviated. There's another one of those. And it's short on cash. Who? Saudi. And our company, and he says, their company did not receive payments for units that they sold them. Now, what kind of units would this be? These are big, customized electrical equipment stuff that uh, electrical engineers design and have custom made, like substations that are 
custom made to hold certain kinds of electrical loads. They're huge. They they aren't off the shelf stuff. If you have too many transfers blow, even those little ones on the telephone poles, yeah, they're not just like popped off real easy. They don't have a bunch of them, you know, sitting around. So if they have too many, they won't be able to put them back up. But that's the little stuff compared to the stuff we're talking about these people make for the Saudi electricity company. So we're talking about lots of money, and they haven't been getting paid. How for how long? Three months. But they were normally in 60 days arrears anyway. So they were giving them 60 days to pay, and now they're 60 days plus three months or five months behind. It says, we've been doing business. This guy said they've been doing business in Saudi Arabia for 20 years. And it said, and they say that not quite 50% of their total sales for all this electrical stuff is to Saudi Arabia. And they're in trouble. Who's in trouble? This company. Okay. There's some other technology that you and I have heard stories about. Oh, there's the free energy. No, let's not go there. Let's go to ones that we actually know existed. One of them happens to be the Hydro-Quebec Group. They had a carburetor, a water carburetor. And here's what it said here, a brief story from somebody that he knows. In 1978, a Hydro-Quebec had developed, uh, through a project they had, a carburetor for a car engine that used water. Within a week of finally getting it to work and making it, you know, hey, here's what, hey, you look at this. Within a week of them initially sharing the information about their project, they received a visit from Big Brother, that's the U.S. They were told to destroy it or that they would be shut down in Canada. See, folks, this is the kind of crap that needs to end. While Bilderberg is out there doing stuff, Bilderberg is just, they're not barons. They're criminals. It's its just legalized mafia meeting. It's, they're really fortunate because if, you know, I was head of a militia, that building might not exist anymore. And I'm telling the truth. Except there are innocent people there, so I probably wouldn't do it. Um, I'm sure I wouldn't do it. Even criminals get their day in court. And it would be <laughs> after the jury gets instructions on jury nullification. You know, jury nullification tells the judge, go take a hike. We don't need your damn help. Don't tell us what we're going to do. We're going to tell you what to do. That's what jury nullification is. Here's something you all need to know, because we've been thinking about, you know, uh, some of these states. Well, Illinois, we all know, is pretty bad, fascist group, you know. But did you know Oklahoma's having trouble, too? We just found this out. There are 1,600 incidents of police-authorized thefts of cash from road stops on people going through the state of Oklahoma. Did you know that's happening? Without even going to court, they can take their assets and not have to return them. It's part of the Patriot Act. 
In fact, the Patriot Act says it's a violation to carry large sums of cash. Yeah, the Patriot Act needs to go. What we need to do is take all these rules and put them in uh, the Sahara Desert. And then take all these politicians and put them out there with the bankers. And that's the rules they've got to, you know, live by. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? This next report that I want to do is uh, the next section of this report has quite a bit of impact, and it's getting to. This is going to be kind of something that uh, is hard for me to explain because it's kind of a convoluted mess. But I'll do my best here to try and explain it to you. He's got a colleague, he says, and he's he's been in the big circles of finance. Uh, I won't tell you where here. I don't think I should over the air. But let's just say he still remains placed in the financial sector. And the major player that he's talking to is in the wings and shadows of the Bank for International Settlements, okay? And he knows what's being planned. And this is very important information for you to know. Because this is going to tell you how the failure of our financial system is going to occur. If this is this guy's information is good, this could be exactly how what Cliff High's alter reports are telling us is coming, but this tells how. So we've got to go over this. And to back up, we have to talk about the fact that the Bank of International Settlements basically was a Rothschild creation of about a century ago. Now, who is the BIS? It's the central bank to the central banks. So really, folks, the BIS is higher up on the pecking order than the Federal Reserve. This bank is what coordinates the trade between nations using dollars as the measuring cup or the currency that they quote things in. And the Bank of International Settlements uses this system of trade. It's electronic, and it's called SWIFT. As I played that audio earlier, that audio was saying that there was a new system that came out that's that's fighting that. Well, it's the BRICS group, but their system of electronic trade is called CIPS, SIPS. It's nothing more than electronic digital systems, folks. These systems really are no big deal. What the big deal actually is, is how and who controls the systems. <laughs> One of the things that's going on right now with the BIS is the United States has always weaponized this system. And the U.S. used this system against like India, Iran, Russia over the past few years to sanction them. The Iran-India program of 
Gold for oil resulted from the U.S. sanctions on India and Iran. And so guess what these countries did? They said, we don't need the dollar. We don't need SWIFT. I'll give you gold. You give me oil, etc. It was a massive success, and they bypassed the U.S. government and the SWIFT system. It led the way toward more innovative trade payments, folks, to go around and not use the U.S. dollar at all. So what's going on right now is there's a battle between the U.S. dollar or the Federal Reserve Incorporated versus the nation of China versus Bitcoin, if you want to say it that way, and even gold, if you want to actually say who's fighting each other. Gold as far as a commodity and demand of it. The U.S. dollar, or the Federal Reserve Incorporated, is actually that global currency we were talking about that you know, was being used formerly or prior to all these changes that are occurring now to make trade contracts. So they have an example in this report, and I'm going to read it to you. For example, there may be an IT contract between an Indian out of India software company and a Saudi healthcare system and they denominated the contract in US dollars between India and Saudi. Let us say for example that the United States goes and devalues the dollar by 30%. Well, the Indian software company is going to be feeling cheated because see they were going to be getting paid in US dollars. And since they can't buy as much with those US dollars, they're going to ask that the contract be considered null and void revised and rewritten. Now, the Saudis are going, hey, I don't want those numbers to change just because some other countries devalued their money, so the Saudis may refuse. And if the Saudis refuse, the Indians would stop producing the system and delivering it, and so things come to a screeching halt on that one contract alone. Now, before any big devaluation occurs, usually... There has to be some forethought on how are we going to manage all this fallout like these kind of contracts. Well, they figured it out, folks. There are contracts between international players in dollars. So they're going to leave that system alone. And what are they going to do? Well, they're going to try now to move the dollar, international dollar, into a gold standard so that the international players will still keep doing business with Federal Reserve Incorporated. So they're negotiating right now to put a certain amount of gold behind the dollar or make a ounce of gold worth so much in dollars. So that backs international trade dollars, but not domestic inside the U.S. money, just outside. So the contracts will be written still in U.S. dollars because now they are going to have gold terms with them. And what are they playing with? Well, now they're trying to negotiate. Right now, behind the scenes, the U.S. and the Bank for International Settlements are negotiating. And the Chinese government's involved, too, in negotiating 
How much is this one ounce of gold going to be worth in international U.S. dollars? Well, they're playing with the number of $5,000 right now. Now, don't jump up and down because you've got gold. Because you're not, unless you're outside the country, this ain't going to help you a bit. This is how they're going to steal from you and me. See, what they're going to do and what's in under the, they're, they're working on it right now. Now, you're going to have a lot of people like Fulford say, well, they've been, look, who, what are they talking? There's, there's Obama coming out of the Federal Reserve and, and the Treasury Department. They just had a big meeting, but he isn't talking about what they did. And so they spend some kind of stupid Nassara story about what really happened in the meeting at the Treasury with Obama and all the big players. Well, here's the real story, folks. They're negotiating what that international dollar from the Federal Reserve is going to be worth and how many Federal Reserve notes that are internationally traded are going to be pegged on an ounce of gold. That's what they're negotiating right now. This has nothing to do with fixing the economy of the United States. This has everything to do with fixing and keeping the Federal Reserve System going in business and continuing to deal with it internationally as a going international business. And all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes is nothing more than keeping international business going. It has nothing to do with you getting more jobs, me getting more jobs. It has nothing to do with paying off the U.S. debt. So what are they going to do? They are going to release a domestic currency that isn't backed by gold. Or, if they do this, they might say a one-ounce gold piece is worth 20 U.S. dollars. That means, folks, they will devalue the dollar. And if one ounce of gold tomorrow was announced to be domestically in the United States worth $20, People go, wait a minute here, wait just a second, and then people will be saying, i got to pay my rent, and, and everything will go. I mean, in other words, if they devalue the currency, which is underway negotiation-wise right now, that would mean there will be people domestically broke, unable to pay their rent, their car payment, blah, blah. On and on and on. So the launch of a new domestic dollar for U.S. only use is underway. Why? So the Federal Reserve can save its butt and stay in the banking business internationally. That's why. That's what's going on. So what's going to cause? What, what's going to happen to us? Well, it's going to trickle down. Okay. For instance, homes, apartment you know, home payments, apartment rents, driver's license fees, registrations like for cars, warehouse costs, international stuff, airport franchise fees, gasoline prices, all that crap that's internationally exchanged at a very, very interesting wealthy U.S. dollar is going to cost us an arm and a leg because we will not have the same money. The effect on the individual deficit to us is going to be lethal. It might collapse us as a nation. Now, there's going to be other nations affected because they're playing with dollars too, and they will have 
not the international money, because this is only to allow governments to exchange. Nothing can be done with the new U.S. dollar only when it's domestic if it's issued. Nothing can be done about what it's worth in gold, except that the people in the streets might say, I ain't going to sell it to you for 20 bucks of paper. So the market's going to demand more. The negotiations are underway and are currently around $5,000 per ounce for that international U.S.-based dollar. The gold price is going to be reset, though, later on. Right now, what they're saying is this. How about setting the gold price for this international dollar for about four times what it's selling for now, which puts it at about five grand? Silver, well, they're figuring on making it about six times. Now, that's going to shock COMEX because they play in paper, gold, and you know commodities, as well as LBMA. You know what those are. But without a doubt, the gold price at 5000 will just be the start. The, this report saying they're going to then move it to 7000 and then the price would go to 10000 in a few years. What it's doing, folks, is raising the coffers of the banking system, particularly the Bank of International Settlements, the Federal Reserve, and all the central banks in Europe, like the Euro Central Bank, and is causing the domestic collapse of countries like Germany, the U.S., all the Europeans, okay? In order for the banks to survive, like I said, we should not let them give us a new currency. But guess what? Hate to reveal this to you, but they already have new notes. <laughs> yep, they do. They have the new designed money right now. I'm going to give you a link to it. Now, you know you've been hearing this rumor, right? well, it's more in the rumor, that there's going to be a slave put on Andrew Jackson's $20 bill. Yep. They're going to take the man that killed the bank off the, <laughs> the, the, the paper money and put a slave on it. I think it's, they're just slapping Americans in the face is all they're doing. Hey, we're going to make you a slave. We're not going to make you free. So the new, the front of the new $20 bill will feature the portrait of Harriet Tubman, who was, uh, whose life was dedicated to, it says here, to fighting for liberty. And their verse will feature and display, of course, the White House with an image of Andrew Jackson, but the front won't be Andrew Jackson. It's going to be the slave, you and me, the slave. There are other currencies. There's going to be the $10 note. It's going to get a new look. It's going to be the $5 note. These, what they're not telling you, are going to be the domestic currencies, and it will not be the money that that $5,000 bill or that $5,000 piece of gold is going to So there's going to be two systems out there, and they can do it because they're private. They're private banks, and so 
what they're negotiating with the world right now, the Federal Reserve is saying, I'm going to be, we're going to, we would like to stay in business and help you guys. So we're just going to give you better, a better currency to deal with because the American people are not going to do anything about this. They're not going to fight us. They're not going to stop us. They can't because we got the media under control. We got their politicians paid off. So they're no big threat. And pretty soon we're going to take their guns. So they're not going to be able to do a damn thing about it. But because you're a nation and independent and you might not like this, um, we're willing to give you money that's backed by gold. And in the meantime, this is and if this doesn't work out for them, the U.S. people, the U.S. elite, they, no, I don't even, you know, uh, uh, that guy that wrote the book, uh, and I won't even tell you his name because I don't like telling him the name, but guy wrote the the uh, uh, energy non crisis. <laughs> uh, last name's Williams. I'll give him that. He always calls them my elite friends. Elite bullshit. How about criminals? The banker cabal really might be at the point of losing their their power, their their uh, reserve currency status. Because, see, folks, this is a negotiation that's going on. And at this point, I don't think China's going to fall for it. I think they're going to institute it, but they're going to say, we don't care what the hell you do. We're still going to do our separate swift trading system for our partners like Russia and India. We're going to do our own thing. We don't need your damn money. See, they're trying to sweeten the pot so that their Federal Reserve System, the Bank of International Settlements owned by the Rothschilds, can stay in business. In fact, folks, we're talking about here the potential of the collapse of the, of the um, Rothschild dynasty here. And but there are other dynasties that are maybe even more threatening. <laughs> you know, if you have to ch choose between a neocon Bush dynasty and the Rothschild dynasty, well, we already know how the Rothschild treats us. We have no idea how the others might even be worse. Okay? But the idea is there's more than two choices. We can just go to our own money. That's what we were printing when we were... 13 colonies here. We had nobody telling us whether we could have our own money system, except that the banks that had taken over Great Britain were going, hey, you can't do that. Because we control Britain's banks. We control you and your colony. Folks, here's what's going to happen, maybe. If they don't take us over, then guess who's going to? China. And when they do this, it's going to be trouble, trouble, trouble. And the banks that have the U.S. dollar printing going now, they're going to lose their power. The entire banking crime syndicate is going to probably have trouble. They're going to be just sitting there going, how can I protect my chalet and my five you know, countries and stuff like that? So they're going to have to play footsies with them, whatever they do. But there's going to be this pain, painful, painful transition, and I'm going to get into the transmission of that transition right after a break that we haven't had. So you stay right here, listen to some music. After the break, we're going to talk about the painful U.S. transition.
So let's get into it. I've got one more little uh, audio to play for you. And um, <laughs> so let's do that, and then we'll talk about this this thing called the transition, huh? Oof. The U.S. dollar is the kingpin of the global economy, and its continuing devaluation is destined to impact the rest of the world. If that devaluation is sudden, I suspect many people will be blindsided and panic. It could happen at any time with the right trigger. It could happen on any ordinary day on Wall Street, even a day like today. The Dow, NASDAQ, and S&P 500 are all up. Gold and silver are at all-time highs, and U.S. unemployment is officially at 11%. The U.S. dollar is in decline. The Federal Reserve prepares to do its quantitative easing trick at the Wednesday bond auction, pushing the dollar down even more. China announces they won't buy more U.S. notes until the U.S. stops devaluing its currency. The news hits the wire, and a nervous Wall Street shudders. Over the weekend, the president holds private meetings with the Federal Reserve and G20 leaders. On Sunday, the Asian markets open and go into instant meltdown in response to China's rejection of U.S. bonds. The Asian markets quickly drop 5%, then 6%, then 7%, then slip into freefall. Other currencies start to slip, and soon an avalanche of sell orders sends markets around the world spiraling down. A few hours later, Monday's opening bell of the New York Stock Exchange triggers mayhem. People dump stocks and sink everything into precious metals and commodities. In minutes, gold jumps 300 an ounce, then 400 an ounce. Silver quadruples. Everyone wants to sell, but no one has any liquidity except China and the Middle East. European countries raise interest rates by 3 or 4% to attract buyers, but there are few takers. Unprecedented competition for the remaining global liquidity forces volatile markets down even further. A half hour after the New York Stock Exchange opens, its computer circuits pop under a deluge of sell orders. Wall Street computers freeze and trading is halted for the entire day. Tuesday morning, still see circuits jammed with sell orders and the New York Stock Exchange is unable to open. No buyers, the market is dead. Federal Reserve announces a hike in U.S. interest rates to attract bond buyers and generate liquidity. Global markets don't like the hike, but stabilize somewhat, although they are still down 6 to 7% from Friday's close. Just two hours after the Fed's rate hike, buyers return and the NYSE is able to open. Throughout the week, global markets take a beating before they find new support levels. But in spite of the U.S. interest rate hike, global confidence in the U.S. dollar continues to erode. Gold and silver continue to rise. Palladium hits a high. Global currencies keep falling. By the close of Friday, traders around the world are walking on eggshells and having a hard time sleeping. 
That weekend, the Fed meets again with the president, then announces a second interest rate hike. Currency markets instantly respond. Banks in Western Europe hike interest rates in sync with the United States. On Sunday, China has first crack at the higher yield U.S. bonds, but buyers are still scarce. By now, the public is definitely aware that something is wrong. Desperate people begin to panic, and there are a lot of desperate people. On Monday, the opening bell at the NYSC triggers a glimpse of hell. Traders around the world become net sellers of equities, bonds, and Western currencies. Everyone wants out at the same time. Panic and confusion sweep the globe, and markets are in freefall again. This time, nothing stops them. Within minutes, electronic trading systems around the world short-circuit under the load of sell orders. The NYSC shudders to a halt in what will become known as the Great Wall Street Freeze. As billions of dollars in wealth vaporize, the shock ripples throughout the international financial world. Stunned by the devastation, some traders choose oblivion. Others obsess about how to recoup their losses if and when the market reopens. Others join the rash of suicide. Others slip away quietly and are never heard from again. What can be done? World markets need a solution fast to get going again. The solution will look like nothing we've seen before. In an emergency meeting, the International Monetary Fund and G20 leaders conclude that the quickest way to jumpstart the paralyzed markets is to restructure all westernized debt in one fell swoop, set new international lending policies, and issue a global common currency. Spokeswoman for the IMF G20 coalition announces that all the global governments are aligned on a solution and have everything under control. There is no need to panic. Of course, panic sweeps the globe and we see a massive social breakdown. Over the next 24 hours, most nations activate their police and militia to quell scared and angry rioters. People empty their ATMs and food stores, loot gun shops, and run banks into the ground. The damage to life and property becomes staggering. Just nine days after the Great Wall Street freeze, militia and police around the world managed to quell the riots and governments began to tally the damage in the United States, thousands are killed and injured, and property damage is in the many billions. Fourteen days following the bond auction that triggered the crash of the U.S. dollar, every major exchange has lost vast value, and some of the smaller exchanges are completely flattened. The financial world is in shock. But elsewhere, the fisherman still fishes, and the farmer still hoes his fields, and the baker still bakes his bread. After nearly two weeks of intense meetings, the IMF G20 coalition hammers out the solution. They announce the formation of a temporary global unification exchange system, or GESS, to oversee a restructuring of the international economy. GESS issues a new coin of the realm, engraved with a unifying motto, Unus 
familius plurus, plurus familius unus, one serving many, many serving one. The world now shares a common currency. Next, Guest mandates that all nations immediately cease printing their money and prepare for a global currency exchange and debt reset. So that's what they have planned, isn't it? They want to take over the world with their currency. So what would they be doing? Maybe it wouldn't be this dramatic. Maybe it wouldn't be so obvious that it's just one. But imagine having a domestic dollar that they are now negotiating, that we understand are under negotiations, and then there's an international one that's worth something, but the domestic one is not worth anything. What if you were offered the opportunity to use the international dollar that is backed by a significant amount of gold? But when you do that, you have to pledge allegiance and give fealty to that banking system. You literally have to sign a contract. Now you make yourself a servant of that system because the system that you were in was failing. The dollar that you had was worthless. That's what they have planned, folks. So what is it going to be looking like out there? <laughs> During this transition, there's going to be a lot of acute shortages, just like the web bot said. <laughs> Life will be a bitch, folks. It's going to be like, just like any other third world nation. But in this chapter, inside the U.S., it will be hell for about a decade. And it could possibly be more. However, if you swear fealty and allegiance to a new system, well, your life just changes. While this is all going on, because the domestic money is not worth anything, you can expect standards to be relaxed on stuff like pollution. We're going to have trouble with clean water, clean air. Inflation is going to hit the foods big time as China begins to demand that our foods be sent to them first to pay off the Federal Reserve's debt to them. And that the Federal Reserve says, well, you back this up, Mr. Government or Mr. Taxpayer. And so, guess what? We go hungry while food gets sent to China. Over my dead body, China. The ownership, of course, of that land makes those, you know, food products are going to be protected then by government mercenaries. Kind of like they're doing to the poppy fields over in Afghanistan now. Only they're going to be protecting our fruits and vegetables. Who from? Us. And we want to buy them. But they won't let us because Beijing leaders get first choice on the output. And maybe even actually own some of the industry and farmlands. Or try to. 
the U.S. will endure an import of anything is going to be very high price inflation, suffer steep currency devaluations domestically. There's going to be a boatload of pain coming to the U.S. when this happens. Now, today, the West controls the Bank of International Settlements. No, we don't. That's what it says in this report. We don't control it. The banks control it. The people don't control anything. But it says here in the report that it says power will definitely sw- uh, definitely shift to the east. Uh, I I have to agree with that. The next section says the requirement for an independent domestic only dollar for local sovereign usage will soon be made clear. Maintaining an assured supply chain will become an urgent matter and the pressure for devaluation will be immediate for both structural and inflation investment reasons. The reduction of the trade deficit will become a matter of national security. Oh, why weren't these exporting of jobs and manufacturing of our items a national security issues to start with. Well, they probably were, but Clinton gave it away. Bringing down the trade deficit requires tremendous efforts by the people of the United States. Why? You know what I would say? Here's what I would tell China. We have kicked the Federal Reserve out. We have a new Treasury Department. We began to be occupied by foreign interests. And now we are the people, and we have a new money, and we will start from scratch. But don't come to America claiming food, land, and wealth from us because we didn't give it to you. The banks did. See how foreigners attach that dollar to us as the people money no it's not our money but they don't give a rip they don't care they want some excuse any excuse to go take something they need which is food land stuff like that so they will try to get it from us by going into back rooms and signing deals in private i got we got to keep our eyes peeled folks We do need to bring down the trade deficit, but really it's not us that needs to do it. I disagree with the report here. It needs to be the banks that gets rid of it. They need to figure out how they're going to actually make paper money worth something. And it can't be by making Americans do it. Well, wait a minute now. You elected those guys that went in there and voted that you were going to back that money. No, we didn't elect them. The ballot boxes have been fixed by Israel systems for years. Yeah, those electronic ballot machines were made by Israel. Everything's going to be depending upon backing the money, folks, with gold. But they may not let us normal, everyday Joes play in the same pot that gives high U.S. value or high U.S. export dollars value to our gold and silver. In other words, if you've got gold, they may say, well, it's worth $35 here. (laughs) But the food that you're bringing in for that $35 piece of paper that you've got is going to be, they'll be getting $5,000 for that piece of gold. And that means that you won't have enough money to pay for that food 
So you lose the food. And again, I say it. Over our dead body, you get our damn food. So this trade deficit has nothing to do with us not wanting to work. It's the corporations that were let go to go to places like China where there was slave labor. How can Americans that are free and not under slavery compete with a company that doesn't pay their workers at all? Okay, maybe they pay them a nickel. But most of the time they weren't paying them. We need to not, uh, what happens is we lost the moral footing because of the treachery and the filth. And think of the fall of the Roman Empire and how their senators became money-grubbing, slimy. Well, that's exactly what we've gotten people like Paul Ryan, Pelosi, Clinton, Graham. You just go right on down the list. They're worthless traitors. There's going to be charges of national treachery, even treason against national leaders, it says here. But what's going to happen if Hillary gets elected? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. So everything, according to this report, says depends on the backing of the new dollar. Well, yeah, that's going to be good for the Federal Reserve. And the U.S. government saying, whoa, oh, I guess we better, you know, the military-industrial complex is very powerful, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't think I could bring myself to fighting Americans to send food to China, so we got to get this taken care of. Let me tell you something, Mr. Um, General, four-star general, Mr. Admiral. Uh, If you think your little boys can go out there and keep Americans from eating the food they grow, uh, your Navy isn't going to do too well. Neither will your Army, because there's too many good Americans in the military that will take you out. What we need to do is do what Trump wants to do. We need to increase our industries. We need to build our country up, and we need to feed our damn self. We need to be oil independent. You know why they hate Trump so much about being oil independent? Remember, they put the dollar on the oil, but they didn't put it on domestic oil. They put it on foreign soil, oil, because they could control the Saudi family by bribing them to become trillionaires. And that was cheaper, made them a lot more money in the dollar corporation than dealing with Americans who want justice and fairness. So, There's a devaluation coming one way or the other. It has nothing to do with our ability to pay for or get food in our mouth. It has everything to do with trying to, again, watch as the major players meet. 
The major players are just corporation heads and bribed government officials. What stops Americans from doing their own meetings? Nothing. What stops Americans from sitting down and saying, send this in a courier to Russia. Let's cut some deals. We need help. Nothing. Except they don't like it. If you recall, in our first American Revolution, men were trying to settle things very civilly. And they asked the government to do the right thing. And finally, they just gave them a a list. We, the people of the United States, of the colonies, basically, over here, here's our grievances, and here's what you're doing. Now, we can negotiate a deal here, but they didn't want to do that. While all this was going on, while these little contracts and meetings, folks, they were just normal, everyday folks. Oh, so what they were part of the government of Great Britain. They were Americans at that point going, hey, let's talk about this. They had the wherewithal to be able to meet because at least they had some assets to get some things done, like getting powder for their guns, printing up articles and books called the common sense so that the people could at least be educated about what was going on. But they mostly, remember this, had the founding fathers had to meet in secret because what they were talking was seditious and would get him killed. And you don't think <laughs> we can do that? We certainly can. Under the rules that we have now, we have a rogue government out of control and we certainly can sit down but guess what the Bible says one thing about this whole thing people don't give a damn anymore the Bible said that we would be in a time of the Laodicean age that's the time of a church that was a church age that where they didn't care and Jesus himself said I hate him in Laodicea that was a city where this group of believers were because they don't care about anything. And he said in the last days it would be like that, that no peop- nobody would care. So what it is, is it's a small body of people called a remnant, the ground crew, whatever you want to call it. Yes, we need to meet in private. That's why we have unseen. Oh, they're hearing my talk. Maybe somebody will wake up. Who's putting their nose out? Well, I am. Who might be getting his self in trouble? Me. But I think it's worth one person being able to save themselves from this horrible existence that's coming. The risk is worth it to me. And that's why we do the Waterman Files. And that's why I need your help. I can't do this. I have to be able to eat, too. It's been my pleasure being with you, and I hope that as you hear this one tonight, that you'll let it sink in and be something that's important enough for you to act upon. I know you've been acting, and you might be asking, what can I do? Just remember, 
what we should be doing, we probably can't do because they'll call us lone wolves. And what you're doing might be noble, but it would be foolish to do it without a bunch of people, right? Coordinated effort needs to be made. In the meantime, you and I need to become stealthy, undercover people. We become an underground economy of our own. Kind of like what they did. You've heard about it before. We become our own underground railroad for food and moving people to safety. That's what we're headed into. Well, it's been my pleasure. I'll see you tomorrow at the same time. Bye-bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.